Hello, and welcome to Making the Case, a podcast produced by the Tennessee Attorney General's Office. I'm Samantha Fisher, Communications Director and Host. The Tennessee Attorney General's Office is the law firm for the state and manages a wide variety of cases, antitrust, consumer fraud, environmental enforcement, and much more. The work is complex, challenging, sometimes even controversial. If you like history and law, come along with us for Making the Case. My guest today is former Tennessee Attorney General Paul Summers, and this is General Summers' second time on Making the Case. He's a popular guy around here. If you get a chance, listen to his last interview about the Keep Nine Amendment and his work with the Coalition to Preserve the Independence of the Supreme Court. It's an important interview, good information to know. But today, we're putting the law books down for a change, and we're discussing a very important issue, really a very sad issue, youth suicide. General Summers, welcome back to Making the Case. I'm so glad I'm I'm here. I appreciate you asking and appreciate you discussing this subject. Well, I know you've been serving the Jason Foundation since 1999. Tell me how, when you were Attorney General, how did you end up getting involved with JFI? What was the connection? I was appointed and sworn in as Attorney General in January of 1999. I was in what I call the honeymoon period in March of 1999. I was over at the state legislature at Legislative Plaza, and Everybody wanted to meet the new attorney general. Everybody wanted to talk to him, and then I would come back with a bunch of duties for my staff to tend to when I came back uh, of legislators who had very important things to do. At any rate, the House Majority Leader at that time, Jerry Hargrove, introduced me to a man by the name of Clark Flat. I had coffee with Clark, and we talked for about an hour and he told me the Clark Flat family story about the suicidal death of his son, Jason, back in 1997, and about his trying to cope with that extreme tragedy and some of the alternatives that he had. And one of the alternatives that he chose was to create a nonprofit corporation in Tennessee in 1997 after Jason's death to try to educate and train other parents students, caregivers, coaches, people who are involved with kids on the silent epidemic of, of youth suicide, who at that, which at that time was the third leading manner of death for young people in America. What is it now? The second leading manner of death. However, on a positive note, in Tennessee, it's still the third leading manner of death for young people between the ages of 10 and 24. I was looking at statistics for youth suicide, and it, it has increased quite a lot. If you look back all the way to 1950 to now, what, what do you think has happened? We have about 130 young people who commit suicide a week in America. These are between the ages of, say, 10 and 24, and that, and that, that in, has increased with, uh, with college-age kids. You can blame it on a lot of things. You can blame it on depression. You can blame it on social media. You can blame it on isolation. You can blame it on uh, lack of uh, continuity in, in, in parenting or whatever. But what we do know is that we need to educate others who are close to children as to how to recognize some of the warning signs of youth suicide. That's what we do at the Jason Foundation. 
we're completely educational. We train people. We train others' people. By the way, we do not charge for our training programs. We never have charged an individual or state or governmental entity for our programs. We can't. We don't have the exact answer on why a child commits suicide. We don't have an answer on why an adult commits suicide. But what we do know is we can train others to look out for their children, to look out for the warning signs that, that may be uh, emanating from a child so that then they can get the child some help. That's what we do. And uh, I would be happy to share with you some of the advancements that we've made in that area. Yeah, I would love to hear. I imagine since this started, as you said, um, back in 1999, that at this point you probably heard some stories of parents who, and teachers and, and community members who have been able to intervene um, in a situation before it was too late. We feel like because of the training of the Jason Foundation that thousands of young lives have been saved from suicide simply because we educated their parents, that we educated their teachers, we educated the coaches, people who are close, caregivers, people who are close. Let me continue with our story. After, after I met with Clark Flatt there in March of 1999, I, I came back to my office and, and, and I told the folks, uh, uh, you know, I think we need to help these. I, I th think we, we need to do something. I said, I don't know what we can do. I was young in the attorney general's office, but I knew that Attorneys General had I'd already figured out we're, we're really good at convening meetings and people would attend, and so we we got involved with uh, the Jason Foundation. I I became I got on the board of directors. Uh, uh, a lot of people in the office were very instrumental in, in help. Leanne Apple Jones, who's sitting here on this interview, she was one of the ones uh, who was very close to the Jason Foundation since mm -hmm. it came from Sumner County, Tennessee. At any rate. Uh, I introduced Clark Flatt to the National Association of Attorneys General, also known as NAG, in March of 2004. He spoke to the, all of the attorneys general. After one hour, he got a standing ovation. They suspended the rules. They passed a resolution applauding the work that the Jason Foundation is doing in education and training regarding suicide and also stating that Teenage suicide or youth suicide was a silent epidemic in America. That created the Attorney General Ambassador Program. Tennessee's Attorney General was the first ambassador that we had. We now have a super majority of attorneys general around the United States who are ambassadors to the Jason Foundation. We don't charge anything. We don't ask them to solicit money. We don't do all we we ask the attorneys general to do is to try to act as emissaries within their states to be able to, uh, if we need an appointment with the commissioner of education in, in a state or the commissioner of mental health in a state, uh, that they help us get those appointments. And I always use my, I always use my, uh, one of my friends from Idaho, um, I, I'll call him up and I'll say, we need to talk to the commissioner of, of mental health in Idaho. Mm-hmm. And Lawrence Wasden, the attorney general, says, well, are you going to come here to Boise? I said, we will if we need to. He yeah. says, I, I not only know, but I represent the commissioner of mental health in, in, in Idaho. And if you want to, we'll, we just, we'll just have the appointment in my office. How about that? Okay. So they, they, they cut a lot of ribbons and they facilitate a lot for us. 
and we really appreciate it. Now, let me tell you some statistics. It is the second leading manner of death for young people between the ages of 10 and 24. Just about any category is the second leading manner of death, except in Tennessee we're doing a little bit better. However, um, education is so important. In 2007, Tennessee passed the Jason Flat Act, which required all public school teachers to have at least two hours of continuing education in the area of youth suicide training and education to look for the warning signs, not in addition to their requirements, but part of their requirements already existing would be two hours of youth suicide. In 2020, we trained 65,000 teachers just in Tennessee. Around the United States, we trained 175,000 teachers under the Jason Flat Act. We now have passed the Jason Flat Act in 20 different states. We're shooting for 50. Wow, so I just want to go back and talk about that for a minute. This was an organization that started in Hendersonville, Tennessee, perhaps through the National Association of Attorneys General and, and others. This became a national nonprofit organization educating hundreds of thousands of teachers all across the country? Yes, uh, not just teachers. Uh, we just, just on the category of teachers, we, uh, we train or are capable of training, and, and, and we probably um, report to about 1.3 million educators in the United States just in those 20 states that have passed the Jason Flight Act. We're responsible for about uh, 23 million young students uh, who would benefit from the education that these uh, educators get. We, uh, we're proud of the work that we've done. We are very proud of the fact that under the, uh, under the Jason Flat Act and also under the Jason Foundation generally, we now have offices in, in 39 different states. We've got a part-time employee in those, in those offices, and we also, have, um, we also have a multitude of different, uh, of different representatives in those states who can respond to people one-on-one, person-to-person. General, we're approaching the 24th anniversary of Jason's death, uh, for whom the foundation is named. Can you tell us a little bit about him, honor him? Sure. Jason was 16 years old. He was a uh, a B-plus, A-minus student. He had a girlfriend. He had a pickup truck. Uh, he had a wonderful family. His father was an insurance in the insurance business. Mother, uh, older brother, uh, loved to go out to, uh, to the lake and get on his boat, uh, loved to do his sports. And then all of a sudden, one day, unbeknownst, not knowing what the warning signs were, unbeknownst to Clark Flat and the whole family, he finds Clark's uh, 38 caliber pistol and shot himself in the head. Clark Flat sensed that something might be askew, so Clark Flat. Uh, talked to one of his friends, and then he went home, and Clark stumbled over his son's body in his bedroom. That began the, uh, the challenges that Clark Flatt and the family had as to how to cope with that. They didn't know anything about youth suicide. Nobody did. And quite frankly, the reason that I got involved in it was because in March of 1999, when Clark Flatt told me his story and the challenges that he had, 
I had a nine-year-old son, and I said, I need to know something about this, not because I'm the Attorney General of Tennessee, but because I'm a father of a nine-year-old. I don't know anything about this. Nobody did. Clark fortunately chose uh, to, to gain victory out of, obviously, a tragedy, and uh, hence the Jason Foundation was formed, and now we've got uh, 16 employees at the headquarters in Hendersonville, Tennessee. We've got part-time employees at, in 39 different states at about 125 different locations and different hospitals, and we do not charge anything for our program. General, if there are folks listening who, just like you, when your son was nine years old, are saying, hey, I, I want to know more about this, where can they find out more about this? Sure. Well, first of all, they, they can go onto the Internet at www.jasonfoundation.com. Uh, they can find out everything that they need to know or want to know regarding the Jason Foundation, the, the Attorney General Ambassador Program, our affiliation with the American Football Coaches Association, several naf- national organizations that associate with the Jason Foundation, or they can simply pick up the phone and call area code 615-264-2323 at the Jason Foundation, and we will accommodate them, we'll talk to them, and I will say that there's not a, a week that goes by that Clark Flat doesn't get a phone call from somebody saying, I've got a crisis. Let me tell you one more story. Go for it. When Clark made that speech in March of 2004 at NAG in Washington, D.C., one of the attorneys general who sat close to me at, that, at those tables he all of a sudden, right in the middle of Clark's flat speech, got up and he left, which was completely unusual for any attorney general and particularly for this very polite attorney general. He just got up and packed his books up and left. And I said to myself, I said, that's, that's something unusual. Well, after, after Clark got through with his speech and we uh, went to lunch, I was out in the lobby of the hotel and I saw this attorney general checking out of the hotel. He came up to me and he said, uh, Paul, he said, I apologize. Please apologize for my conduct. But I realized when Mr. Flat was speaking that I got a crisis at home, back at home, which was out west. And he went back home. He called it. He went back up to his room. He called his wife. He called his daughter and asked his daughter some of those point blank questions. And they were answered in the affirmative, and he realized that he had a crisis on his hands. Now, fast forward, that same that same uh, attorney general uh, became on the board of directors of the Jason Foundation, and I remember we were having a December meeting about four years later, and he gets a phone call right in the middle of the meeting, which I thought was very impolite and kind of rude <laughs> uh, uh, and, and very... Uh, uh, very atypical of this particular guy. It was his daughter. Really? And his daughter told him, said, Daddy, would you please tell the group at the Jason Foundation Board of Directors that if it wasn't for the Jason Foundation, I wouldn't be making this telephone call. True story. Wow. Thank you for sharing that, General Summers, and thank you for coming on the podcast to talk about this. Glad to. Thank you so much for your interest. 
Making the Case is a podcast from the Tennessee Attorney General's Office, and you can find it on iTunes and Spotify. Also visit our website at tn.gov slash attorney general. Thanks again for being with us. Please subscribe and join us for our next episode.